Hello and welcome to episode 32 of Labor Pains Podcast brought to you by Women Connect and Support. I am your host, Teresa Reiniger. This podcast is a space where we help women and men that have experienced infertility or loss of a child during pregnancy or infancy. And we do this by sharing stories of families that have struggled with the infertility, that have had loss, and they've experienced the grief that goes along with that. We also have episodes with experts to help answer any questions and to give you resources to help you with your desire to have a family and to also help you through grief if that is what you're experiencing. Today's guest, Rachel, indicated that she didn't really feel like she had a story to share, but I know that we all have a story to share, that we can inspire and help others by our stories. So she had done some research. She found that they were not getting pregnant and then was given the diagnosis of infertility. But she had done some research and she had found a doctor that they communicated very well with. The doctor did an amazing job with with their case. And she became pregnant with the very first try of IVF, which is not always the norm. But in her case, it was, which was pretty inspiring. And she had found a support group that they were all on the same journey at the same time. And it sounds as if they all became pregnant at the same time. And the interesting part of her story, and she'll share it with you in detail more, but they all then became pregnant, or most of them, I shouldn't say all, they most of them came pregnant again without any help, totally on their own. So I hope that her story inspires you and gives you hope. Hello, Rachel. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. I'm glad that we could finally get together and, and um, record and for the listeners to hear your story. So I want to start today with you telling us who Rachel is. Who are you? <laughs> well, you already said my name is Rachel. I uh-huh. am a mom to three boys. Uh, I guess I'm a boy mom through and through. I couldn't imagine it any other way. Okay. So I've know every rule to every sports game and card game imaginable video games uh, just about every little thing that boys do um i've been married to my husband for almost 20 years Ooh, that's wow <laughs> yeah, congratulations um, thank you and our oldest son will be turning 13 in a couple weeks and we are both working parents outside of the home and just trying to keep up with three boys is the season of life we are in at this time. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Boys of that age, um, almost teenagers. That's going to keep you busy for a long, long time. Yep. We finally are there at the teenage years. Yeah. <laughs> Fun years. We won't talk about that on the podcast. <laughs> those are those are fun years. So just from what you just told me, so you were married quite a long time before you had your first son. 
Um, so tell us about that. Was that planned? Did you want to get careers kind of in place before you decided to have children, or was there trouble with becoming pregnant? No, we we wanted to be married for a few years um, before starting a family. We wanted to, it's kind of cliche to say, wait till we were ready, but we really <laughs> believed that we needed to do that with finding the right house and um, saving money and getting in jobs that we both love and were going down the path we thought we were supposed to go down and we waited and we waited and then we just tried um, on our own thinking we were, well, backtrack a little bit, knowing all this time that we were going to start a family at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, We just took it slow, not having any expectations, thinking, okay, now we'll try to start our family, never anticipating that we would have trouble. And we were young, we were healthy, we were ready. (laughs) We had our house, we had our savings account, we had our jobs. I checked out daycares already, you know, and Mm. uh, then it just didn't happen for about a year and a half. And then it was like, okay, what? We're not in the plan. So, um, yeah, then we decided I'm a planner and a researcher, so I had to look into a bunch of stuff. And I, like everybody, read any article I could on fertility and how to get pregnant and why am I not pregnant. And, yeah, Yeah. it was that was the start of it. So Yeah, and I'm sure probably a little frustrating. It was. Like, yeah, why not? Like, what's going on? We're we're healthy. Yeah. Yes. And I, I was a little more anxious and wanting to speed the process along because we had, we had waited for a while. So I felt like we were ready. And my husband was more along the lines of whatever happens, happens. Let's just, but no, <laughs> I don't want to do that. Something's not right here. That so. sounds kind of like a, I don't want to say a typical guy thing, but yeah. sort of. Sort of, you know. <laughs> well, and, and it's like my husband said. He's like, most guys don't go their whole life thinking about their kids and their families. He's kind of like, no. He's kind of old school. He grew up a farm boy. That was kind of like what girls did. They always talked about who they were going to marry and what their kids' names were going to be. And so he wasn't in the mindset of, oh, gosh, I've got to do this right away. But when we started talking about it more and more, he was like, yeah, we need to, we need to get our family go in and have our kids and so we got on the same page there and then the story takes off so okay so you did some research did you then talk to some people and say what's going on reach out what kind of research um what kind of inspired them I I feel like people are placed in your lives for a reason and whether Mm -hmm. you know it at the time or not um they just are there. And a friend of mine, I worked for one of the infertility doctors. And so she was, I'm a very private person, so I wasn't sharing our story with other people about we were trying to start a family and we were having trouble. I uh-huh. just, I, the, my friend, she worked for, he was actually a gynecologist and did several different um, procedures in that realm. And I didn't even know he in vitro uh, until I started talking to her more deeply and she then I opened up that 
we were having these struggles and she said, you just need to come talk to him. They don't do anything. It's just a consultation and maybe help you understand what the next steps would be and what your options are. So there's, uh, that's when we got our first appointment with a doctor to discuss what was happening or what was not happening. Mm-hmm. Rather. And from there, um, it's been, so this has probably been 15 years ago. <laughs> so yeah. I have to really go back in my memory bank. A lot of it is a blur because so much has happened since then. But yeah, from that point, we just um, decided that we were going to see somebody and we did a lot of research about the cycle that what all the procedures and what the process is and the drugs we had to take. And mm-hmm. But um, as everybody might know that one of the first steps is determining which factor, if it's the male factor or the female factor that is prohibiting the pregnancy. And mm-hmm. in our case, um, it was a little bit of both. It was male factor. And then for me, it was trouble carrying a baby if we were to get pregnant. So just the wonders of science, we were able to get that have that knowledge so we could plan ahead before I was even pregnant. Um, Mm -hmm. So a lot of testing first, I guess, to figure out what really was going on. Yes, a lot of testing and a lot of trips to the doctor's office. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it was, I think it was kind of an uncomfortable situation, speaking for my husband and not for every male, just kind of like, what do you mean? This is me. This is me. I can't. Yeah, you know, and, and then so he, he learned a lot too and I learned a lot like what do you mean I can't carry a baby and then I always my mind jumps to the worst possible conclusion that oh my gosh we're going to have to hire a surrogate what in the world does that mean and yeah <laughs> that or, or no, adopts or yeah that leads, you, that leads you down a lot of different paths yeah so the more questions I had, the more conclusions my mind jumped to, the more I read and reached out trying to find other people, other women and couples who were experiencing what we were going through. And again, looking back all those years, it was prior to social media, if you can believe mm. it was before social media. <laughs> yeah. So there wasn't connecting with people and tagging people on Facebook and wasn't really even reading blogs or text group texts or anything like that. The the people I found to talk to and um, share stories and frustrations with, we just basically emailed and then we would try to get together for a dinner every couple of months and, and kind of go on this journey together, which is so very important to have a support group to, I mean, not a lot of people understand what you're going through, except for the people who have been or are thinking of or are in the middle of the journey, too. So um, it's very important to find a support system like that. Absolutely. And yeah, not even thinking about that. But yeah, that many years ago, you're right. It really just had to be you kind of opening up to people that you personally know, knew, mm-hmm. and then them connecting you to other people just by phone, you know. I think, yeah, and I, you know, as I, think back to, as I think back to it, I, I think the 
doctor's office had a website where they had a chat room set up for people. (laughs) So you could kind of do things that way. But, yeah, and you pick the people who kind of connect with you the best and go from there. So, yeah, we had had a couple dinners. We went to each other's houses. We were there for some of the joy and some of the sadness that all this journey entails. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so lots of testing to determine that you both had some stuff going on that needed to be looked at. Um, And so... Obviously, you had indicated that um, your issue was not so much getting pregnant, but once you did get pregnant, staying pregnant. So I guess the first thing that had to be addressed was what was going on with him and to get that kind of fixed. Or, or did that, was that fixable? So what did they, you did, did you go right into like, okay, we got to do IVF or we got to do IUI or we can just do some medication? What, walk us through what happened. I we just went jumped in directly to IVF because oh, wow. I'm not yeah <laughs> okay. I am I am not patient I knew enough the doctor was on board with that um, living in Illinois you had that uh, mandate where insurance had to pay for IVF so we're like yeah let's just do it and quit trying all the IUIs and you know well we never started IUIs so yeah we weren't even going to go down that route because. In talking to people, that could be an endless monthly yes. process of IUI after IUI, and finally, you know, another year has gone by, and so the doctor was willing, we were ready, and so that's why we jumped right in just to doing the IVF. And mm-hmm. um, good, yeah. So, well, you said you had prepared, you you were ready, it was fine. And so that's cool that the doctor and you guys were in agreement that you could move forward. Because I think there's a lot of times they're like, oh, no, we got to try this, and then we got to try that, and then that, this, you know. So it it does drag on like you just indicated. So I'm, I'm excited that you guys were able to just kind of jump through all of that and be done, you know, and get started. So good. So IVF. How was IVF uh, years ago? Is it pretty similar, you know, to now? Lots of medications and shots and... It, it was. I, I remember um, going through the process where you have the initial consultation to now you're ready to plan your cycle and they have the nurse coordinators and you get you get this box of medication shipped to you. And I remember the day that came to my house and I opened it up and there was syringes and vials mm. and pills and it was a step-by-step instructions of, okay, you need to take... I think it was the Lupron for two weeks and then just to manipulate your cycle into the point where you are ready to conceive Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then you go back into the doctor's office and everything they do there and send you on your way and then you wait. So that I'm sure was the hardest part for me and a lot of couples like us. It was the waiting, not knowing, and constantly, I mean, that's the only thing you, me, I thought about for two weeks was, is it, is it connecting? Are we 
pregnant? Is the baby yeah. Is this what's happening inside of me? So, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that in this. Uh, we'll, we'll just bring this up real quick. I'll bring this up. Um, I talked to somebody recently and it's like, oh, I should probably put a poll out there that who cheated? Like who went ahead and did a pregnancy test? <laughs> yeah. Because there are so many that, you know, don't do the pregnancy test. There could be kind of the false positive, you know, all of that. And it's interesting that a lot of the women that I talked to are like, oh, yeah, no, we did a pregnancy test. So did you guys do what you were supposed to and not do a pregnancy test before you got there? No. What did you do? Okay. <laughs> did the pregnancy test. I, I do not have patience. And, again, I have to make sure things are going according to my plan. Yeah. So, um, and then, you know, you did the pregnancy test. Well, I can't remember how it goes, actually. You get your first blood test, I know, for the baseline, mm-hmm. and then they don't tell you anything. And then you get your second blood test to see how your numbers increase. So right. I think it was between the first and second blood test that I did pregnancy test. And it, <laughs> and it was a positive pregnancy test. So uh-huh. I was reasonably optimistic at that point. But then, because a false negative was more common to have than a false positive mm-hmm. at that okay. stage in the cycle. Okay. So, yeah, so we went, um, I got the call from the nurse coordinator that, you know, we were pregnant. And I already knew that, and I pretended like I was so surprised and so happy. (laughs) (laughs) And then I waited. Uh, I don't think, well, I think um, another one of the women that I had connected with was cycling. There was a couple of us cycling at the same time, so I never wanted to say a word to them in case they weren't, and vice versa. So that was a, a... fine line to walk between being excited for you and wanting to know what happens with your friends that you were wanting to be pregnant just as badly as you were wanting to be pregnant yourself. So yeah, it was an emotional week or two there, but fortunately for the the group of women that I was connected with, we all were able to conceive on the first try. Wow. And yeah, and um, my pregnancy and my, I was high risk, as I mentioned, because Mm -hmm. I had a blood clotting disorder. So carrying a baby, I was at a very high risk for miscarrying because of blood clots. Mm -hmm. So I I did a daily injection of a blood thinner um, right in my belly. And that was about the only complication I had. I had I didn't have morning sickness. I had night sickness, mm. but all of it was just amazing because was, we were at the point where we wanted to be. And then you try not to think of everything else that can go wrong and just enjoy being pregnant and enjoy that time with your husband too, where you just are husband and wife and there are no kids. And that was right. the last little bit of time you're going to have together. So, yeah, well, that, was... that is that is amazing that you all really, in in my opinion, that you all became pregnant on the first try because that's not a norm, you know. Well, no, and that's what's so 
nerve wracking yeah. about it is I didn't want to be happy for myself to yeah. be a group of women if not all of them were able to have success their first try to. So yeah. we were very, very lucky that way, very fortunate. And, mm-hmm. and to at this day, I don't, I don't know that we're as connected as we would like to be because all of us do have children now and we, we, yeah. we don't really live close to each other. And so everybody's just kind of gone their separate ways, but we do keep connected uh, through social media and good and, good. Birthdays and things like that. Good. Good. Well, that's exciting. I mean, even though you knew that there were problems, it sounds like you did the right thing that you just guys just decided and moved forward pretty quickly. Um, I know on previous episodes, um, just for the listeners, there are so many times that um, the doctors kind of drag things on and on and on. And it's like, no, I love that you guys and the doctors agreed that let's just not mess with this. We're ready and let's move forward. And so I love that you didn't have to to wait and then go through all of that disappointment, you know. So that's really cool. I'm it's not the norm, but really, really cool. Now, I know you, at the very beginning, you said there were um, three boys that you were, so, okay, now you have, there was just one. Yes. Okay, then what happened? So did we have to go through the whole thing again at a certain point, or tell us tell us how you ended up with more than one little boy? So at the time, um, we were talking about knowing that this was our path and that we were going to have to do the in vitro. We had my husband and I had conversations about what happens if this is our only child. We both came from large families, so envisioned ourselves having several kids, and um, thought, well, we'll try again. You know, there's no problem. We'll try mm-hmm. again, and we'll just be happy with our son if it doesn't work out. But we weren't really thinking that in the near future we were going to try again. We were going to give it a few more years and, and just enjoy our baby and our toddler and then try again if that if that's mm-hmm. what we decided down the road. Well, we didn't get that chance because um, we are one of the couples who thankfully um, had a spontaneous pregnancy shortly after our son was born. So, yeah, he was uh, oh, wow. old when we found out we were expecting and that totally shocked us and blew us out of the water a little bit and didn't know what to think about how, but everything about everything we had gone through to get our first son and now all of a sudden just out of the blue, just have we're expecting another baby. <laughs> yeah. So, um, again, I still had the high risk order where I needed to buy a maternal fetal medicine specialist. I'm with the second mm-hmm. pregnancy, too, so we, we got in as soon as we could there. It took a little time to get in to see him, but we needed to know right away because I was high risk. So in the back of my head, we're trying not to get our hopes up because, you know, it was very early. It was a very early pregnancy, very early when we found out, and still had a lot of hurdles to jump yeah. before being excited. So fast forward a little bit to when we are at the appointment finally, with the maternal fetal medicine, the high-risk doctors, um, everything looked good, and they did an ultrasound, and I was, remember staring at the screen, like, okay, this is it. We're going to see 
we're going to see the little heart flutter. And the minute they turn the screen on and put the wand, the, I don't know what it's called, the ultrasound scanner on my belly, I, there were two. There were two sacks right up on the screen, and it took a minute to register, but I looked at my husband, and he had no idea what he was looking at. <laughs> and I just said, there's two. <laughs> and he's like, what? And he was looking, and he's like, there's two. And the ultrasound tech said, oh, you didn't know you were having twins? Which struck me as odd, because no, I didn't know. This is the first. Just barely, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so that at that point it was a little more concerning because now my high risk pregnancy just went extremely high risk yes. with, with the fact that there were multiples. Um, so we still had a long way to go to carry the twins and to. So did you have twins in your family history? Or were there twins because of all of the residual stuff from the IVF or this happened. I don't know. It's well, and it's just kind of a mystery because there are not twins in our family, like my family or my husband's family, maybe distant, distant cousins, none that we knew of. And as far as the, um, the fertility drugs, I wasn't really taking the fertility drugs that, that try to multiply the egg. I wasn't taking, I don't remember the name of that specific drug that people because of the IUIs and things. um, Yeah. I didn't, I wasn't on that. Okay. That was, that was to increase the egg production. Okay. So uh, because that wasn't the problem that you were having. Right. That was a part of our protocol because every protocol for IVF is just a little bit different and they tweak it definitely to what um, your specific factors are as a couple. So no, I didn't, I wasn't trying to increase the production or quality of the eggs. They were just manipulating my cycle, so to speak, to get on with the office cycle. Right. It is interesting that they get everybody on the same cycle. And so they can do all those transfers at the same. Yes. So that was it. I just took the drug to manipulate the cycle and then um, went in for the IV. Or when, and then did the injections that releases the eggs, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, no, I wasn't on a long-term. So just twins protocol. is what you were supposed to have. Yeah. So now you're pregnant. You have a little baby. <laughs> so yeah. You're high risk, really yeah. high risk. Yes. You're getting into the area of my life that is such a blur. So I'll do my best <laughs> to walk you through. <laughs> To walk through those years. Okay. But um, I, yeah, and I do, people ask, and I do feel like my story is pretty unremarkable, other than the fact that, yeah, I got pregnant with twins on my own after having a son, but we, we were textbook, really, for all intents and purposes. Everything happened like it should. And so even with my high risk twin pregnancy, everything went so great with that that the twins were early they were preemies but not extremely early where they had to spend weeks in the NICU and they were they were big boys too <laughs> so I yeah it was yeah. 
the hardest part was after they came out, I think, having <laughs> two newborns and a toddler, I, my oldest, who was a year and a half, actually, when they were born. That's oh the part God. that was a blur, and that was the hard part. And and now, um, just going through the years with them, my oldest is going to be 13 next month, and my twins are, they turned 11 in October. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. <laughs> I could totally understand why that whole time was a blur. I mean, I'm sure you just barely functioned, just did what had to be done, and it's your time to think, <laughs> let alone remember, you know, just, just I, going through the motions. Wow. It was. And I, I tell my oldest son this to this day. He's such a daddy's boy. And I said, you were three years old before you even acknowledged I was in your life because all of a sudden he was there. I was taking care of him. And then, boom, two other babies came. And I had to, my we just had to divide and conquer. My husband took care of the toddler. and I was a constant cycle of nursing and changing and pumping and nursing and changing and pumping. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I totally understand that reasoning, you know, for for your, your oldest son to be with the dad, for sure. It totally makes sense. Well, and I guess what I would like to say to the listeners is, you know, we've heard previously in a lot of episodes where um, couples, you know, go through a very, very long journey to have, um, you know, children, you know, even though there were infertility struggles with you, um it didn't, you didn't have that long drawn out thing. And so I think that should be very encouraging for the listeners, maybe that have been given the diagnosis, you know, of infertility and, and are having some struggles that it doesn't have to take years and years. You know, you could be very textbook like you, which I think is very um, encouraging for the listeners. Mm, I hope so. I I do. I, I, I'm happy to share my story, but again, I I would go so far as to say just hearing about everybody else's heartbreak, it almost made me feel guilty that we were so successful and we were so blessed with having another pregnancy on our own that gave us two more children when so many people struggled to even get the first child and not only struggle, but just heartbreak after heartbreak with negative pregnancy tests and failed cycles and Mm -hmm. just it it breaks my heart really for everybody going through it I'm a little beyond that point in my life where I'm older now so I don't know of a lot of younger women I don't know younger women who are in their child bearing years anymore (laughs) crazy to say but yeah so um happy to speak about my story and to even 15 years later, I'm sure that the the mindset and the heartache and the joy is all the same, but at the same time, maybe technology has evolved too. And, and that's not something I stay on top of, but it's just constantly evolving. And I know that the desire and the love and the heartbreak are all the same. Mm-hmm. Over the years. Absolutely. Absolutely. And every story does matter, you know, for sure. Whether it's it's a, a more simple story uh, with not a lot to it or, or not, you know, 
um, like you said, it's all about the love of the children and having that family. And I'm, I'm really, I'm very um, grateful that, you know, we, we connected and that you were able to share your story, even though you, you're like, it's not that, that, that big a deal, but it is, it is for the listeners. I mean, I, I truly believe that it is for the listeners to know that there's some infertility stuff going, what's going on, but it, it, it just didn't take as long. And that is good for us to know that there are those times where it's a very quick, short um, process. And then, to, and then to become pregnant again right away, totally on your own. What a little miracle. Two it's little what? miracles, yeah. <laughs> yeah, two little miracles. And, yeah, they are the gifts that keeps on giving. That is for sure. Yes, they are. Yes. <laughs> but even even to follow up with the, the group of girls I mentioned a little mm-hmm. bit ago that we stayed connected, um, I think five out of the six of us went on to get pregnant on our own as well. And we were just shocked that I think I was the first that came up pregnant on our own. And then they were all so happy for me and their stories resonated a little bit too. And that they didn't know, they knew they wanted more kids and they were going to have to try again. But then, you know, not many years had passed by and they were able to conceive naturally too, for whatever reason. And for who knows, because wow. Even out of that group of girls, none of us had the same factors concerning fertility as as each other. It was we all had different stories, but at the end of the day, and many years later, we ended up at the same spot, and that was with our children, with with several children, wow. and yeah, and that just is unbelievable because we started out from where we started, just saying we don't know what we're doing, we don't know why we're not able to. Yeah, get pregnant, but yeah, many years later, our kids are all about the same age, and it just went back. It's like, wow, that was that was quite a whirlwind journey for us all to be on. Yes, yes, and such wonderful stories, you know, all of all of the the ones that were able to just eventually conceive on their own. That's that's amazing. I mean, it's just amazing to me. So, well, thank you so much again for sharing that, but I would like to conclude to see if you have any words of encouragement or advice for anybody that maybe is going through some struggles, you know, maybe like you said, your husband had more the infertility um, part of it, but then you with the shots, any words of encouragement to those couples that are, that are listening today? Sure. I, I think the first and foremost, is what I had mentioned several times in, mm-hmm. in our conversation, and that is just finding a good group of support. I hope and pray everybody has a wonderful family support network, but a lot of family support only goes so far in this journey mm-hmm. because they can't walk in your shoes where connecting with other couples, especially women, just connect and reach out and embrace each other and be there for each other and lean on each other and listen. And that, that is where your strength will come from. And that will be where your peace can be found too. And like I said, 15 years later, we still keep in touch on a limited basis. Cause again, we all have kids and we're busy, but 
um, just that connection is something that you will always have. The other thing I do want to say is that there is always hope. Mm-hmm. There really is. And I, I hear it over and over again that it happens when you least expect it. Mm-hmm. That was the truth for our, us. We definitely least expected it. And I um, have a family member who, it happens to be my cousin's wife. They were they're going through infertility, and they just thought about going to the doctor. So they lived out of town, but they were going to come up here to our area and see the doctor that I saw. And so, again, this was just about a year and a half ago when I had to walk her through all the steps and be her support. And um, about, they made their daughter appointment, and the week, I guess two weeks before, I know you and all your listeners are going to say that she turned up pregnant. She did not. The adoption agency called and had a baby for them. Oh, my goodness. Keep your other options open, too. I just, I firmly believe whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And now they have this beautiful daughter who is almost a year and a half and looking at them and listening to them, my cousin and his wife, just they couldn't imagine not having this little girl they adopted in their life. So just because you think you're going to go down one path, it may not be. So be open to whatever twist and turn your journey takes. Mm. Embrace the heartache because it's, it's awful and grueling, but looking back, it is part of your story. It is part of your journey, and it's a powerful moment in your life to come to terms with whichever direction that path takes you. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah, I love that. So support and always be open wherever your, your path is going to take you to have that family. Um, to love. That's amazing. Thank you so much for those words of encouragement and advice. Those are that is great advice, oh, especially wow. especially the support. And I'm glad that you were supportive for her, that um, you continue. And I think any women and men that have been through the journey of infertility or loss are always very open to helping others to be that support for them. So Ditto, ditto of what you said. Reach out and get that support that you need. So thank you so much. Unless there's something else that you'd want to share, we'll conclude. But oh, I just thank you for letting me share my story. It's been it's been a long time since I've talked yeah, about okay. my journey, and it is it is just it is my story, and it is our life, and it's it's good for me and for anybody to look back on that time and see how what has changed and how much. We have grown, so thank you for letting me share. You are welcome. Good for you to remember those blessings that came in your life for sure. That Absolutely. at least the beginning of that. You get those, feel those blessings every day. I'm sure. With the boys. But, <laughs> like I, yes, the gift yeah. that keeps on giving. <laughs> well, thank you again so much. All right, thank you. Prayers to everybody. Well, thank you so much, Rachel, for coming on today to share your story. 
I know you had indicated your story isn't anything like others, and it's not. Um, you didn't go through as much difficulty as some other people that are struggling with infertility or loss, but every story is important to be shared. Even though you didn't have the amount of years that others had, you still had difficult times. Every woman and man that is going through struggling with infertility and they go months and months and months with disappointment, it's hard. And so I appreciate you so much sharing your story with me and the listeners. And listeners, thank you so much for taking some of your precious time today to listen. I hope that it, that Rachel has inspired you, has given you some words of encouragement. And if she has, please write us a review. I would so much appreciate that. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss an episode. For sure. And the most important thing, as always, is to share this podcast with that person that you were thinking of. If there's someone that is struggling, please share this with them. We want to help them. We know that sharing our stories is going to help and benefit them. So please share with them. That would be amazing if you did that. And then also, if you would like to share your story with me, just sharing your story when you do that, or if you'd like to share your story on the podcast, please reach out to me. You can reach me through email at Teresa, and that's T-E-R-E-S-A, dot womenconnect2019 at gmail.com, or connect with me on Facebook at Women Connect and Support, two places, and all that, that information is in the show notes, so you can find it there if you didn't catch it. We know that when we share our stories, that they are so very, very powerful, just like Rachel's. Even though there wasn't the years of difficulty, it is just important to share those stories to inspire others. Maybe that that infertility is not going to take the years and years and years that so many of us hear about. So share your stories so that can inspire others and give them hope, just like Rachel, I hope has inspired you.